All right, I'll stop. Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> I'm Latara. Is that better? You like that better? Hi. Hi. <laughs> My like- name is Laura. And you're listening to Passions Podcast. <laughs> to Passions Podcast. <laughs> this is the podcast where my very feminine <laughs> co-host, what? my very feminine co-host and I, oh we're God, losing it. we're losing our <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Latara. Hey, I'm Laura. And you're listening to Passions Podcast. Yep. This is the podcast where we watch the excellent soap opera Passions and talk about it. Yeah, it's the Passions Rewatch Podcast. Yeah, we're going to tell you what we think, whether you want to know it or not. So strap um, in. Yeah, because we're on episode 20. That's right. Uh, is that right? Yeah, that's Episode right. 20 of Passions. Episode 20. And we're going to do 20 and 21. 20 in the first half, 21 in the second half. So Hang now, on. Now you know the deal. Hang on to your pussies. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> hang on to your butts. movie that's a movie oh that's from jurassic park he's like everybody hang on to your butts <laughs> isn't that it i don't know i swear I to god jurassic park since it came out i think that's jurassic park the f- that first one okay so uh passions let's talk about it okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know where to start well where does this episode start does this episode start is he leaf blowing a fucking gig yeah our neighbors will not stop doing yard work. So sorry if you can hear them. Unbelievable. How much yard work is there to do? Yeah. He's been doing this all day. If you even have a yard, it's like five by three. What is he doing? I don't know. So sorry, guys. You're going to have to listen to me under everything that we say today. Think of it as a gentle, a gentle drone. Yeah. A pedal tone, if you will. Oh, yeah. The pedal tone to Passions Podcast. <laughs> okay. We All are right. off the rails. Yeah, whatever. That's okay. All right. Episode 20 of Passions begins with Reese on the phone with Jessica again. Again, this man is at the payphone. Jessica's on her home phone. And it seems as if maybe he's called her back. Like, they hung up the phone and he's called her back because he's like, are you sure that Kay wants to go out with me. Because poor Reese, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. And I think he's smart enough to know that this girl's never paid him any attention. And he knows that there's like a feud between Jessica and her sister Kay. And he doesn't want to get caught in the middle. But he really... He's smart. He's got but, a crush on her. But he's got, he's got hope. Like David and Lana. Oh, God. 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> huh? And you know what? It worked for David. It worked for David. They fa- Oh, they found Lana. Oh, shit. Well, you know Spoiler what? alert. It's all over the internet. Ooh. It's all over the internet. Ooh, that's a spoiler. Eh. All right. So, uh, he's on the phone with Jessica. Yep. And that's it. That's it. That's it. They're basically just reminding us. The show is just reminding us of all the shenanigans going on surrounding the lobster shack. Miguel is on his way to the lobster shack, and then he calls Kay again also to confirm that everyone's going to the lobster shack. Everyone's going to the lobster yeah, shack. Yeah, so everyone, I think this, the top of this episode is just the Passions writers making sure to keep everybody up to date. Yeah. Even even Grace says to Tabitha at one point, yeah, my husband and I are going to dinner at the lobster shack. Oh, everybody's yeah. going to the lobster shack tonight. Yeah, everyone's going. Yeah. It's a hopping place. It's yeah. a happen in place. So Miguel's at the lobster sh- going to the lobster shack, wait, thinking he's going to meet what's her name? Charity. Charity. 
Kay is going to the Lobster Shack thinking she's going to meet Miguel, which she is, but she has been set up to meet Reese. Reese is going to the Lobster Shack thinking he's going to meet Kay, which he is. So everybody's at the Lobster Shack, and we shall see what happens. Yep. I think let's get back to Teresa and Ivy. Absolutely. So last episode... We were wondering how Teresa was going to get out of this conundrum. Because she's stuck in Ivy's closet. Ivy wants to introduce Teresa to Ethan. And Teresa is panicking because she's like, oh my god, I can't meet this man right now. Because I've been dumping disgusting things on him. And then I injured him with a liniment oil. And now he's going to think I'm like stalking him in his home. So we were like, how the fuck is she going to get out of it? Well, easy answer. The phone rings. Ethan gets a phone call on his private line and goes to answer the phone. He says, oh, that's my private line. I better go answer it. Yeah. So he goes. Gwen's still there. And Gwen has seen Teresa, but she she notes that she's seen this stalker girl, right? Mm -hmm. But she notes that when she saw her, she had on the goggles and she couldn't really, she wouldn't really recognize her if she saw her. Right. So she sees Teresa when Teresa comes out of the closet and she goes, you look really familiar. Why do I know? I you just look so familiar. And Teresa's like, mm, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm mm. just one of those faces, I guess. Yeah, I actually get that from everyone. Really? Whenever I meet a new person for the first time, I'm like, you look so familiar. Have we met before? It happens all the fucking time. I must look like everybody. I don't think so. I don't, it, it happens to me all the time. That's interesting. Every show I've ever done. At least one person in the cast when we meet is like, have, have we worked together? Have I met you before? Like, how do I know you? Like, I went to that workshop thing for one of my jobs and, like, the dance instructor was just like, oh, we've met before. And I was like, no, I don't know you. <laughs> nah. Been, like, at the, this was last year, so it was like, at this point I'd been here for, like, a year. Wow. At two years. I was like, we, and he's musical theater. Like, yeah. I don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It, yeah, I just have one of those faces. So, or maybe you've got a doppelganger. <clears throat> maybe I have a doppelganger who's like... Excelling. Okay, so I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory about this. I feel like the, I've I've had like friends in my life who I know them from one place in my life, and then I meet another person who is a lot like that person, like very close in personality and traits, and a lot like that person, but like wildly successful. Like there's like so that I feel like there's like two versions of everybody. Oh, shit, I'm the loser. Version. Yeah, there's like the loser version of you. <laughs> And the wildly successful Damn. version. But maybe, maybe you're the wildly successful version of you. That's why I, how I'm living my life. Okay. Like, I'm actually the wildly successful version I'm of I'm obviously me. the shitty doppelganger here. <laughs> I don't think so. So, <clears throat> she's in this closet. She comes out. Gwen says, you look familiar, but she can't place her face. And then what happens? Then Ivy starts talking again about this stalker and how she'll never be anywhere near her son again and talks about it with Gwen for a while. And then they walk away, but I don't know why. And Teresa is like, SOS, I gotta call mom. <laughs> she makes a phone call to Pilar. Yeah, where did they go? I don't know. Oh, oh she oh, to look says, at the silver. Yeah, she, yeah. She's like, why don't you come look at my silver pattern? Yeah. But why would they leave Teresa alone while they go look at a silver pattern? Couldn't tell you. I didn't question it in the moment, but now looking back on it, it's very strange. Yeah, upon analysis. Yeah. Well, it doesn't Weird. make any sense. It's like, come downstairs with us. You don't just leave strangers in your home yeah. unattended. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe it was because Ethan wanted to talk to her. Yeah. He, so Ivy says, Ethan really wants to ask you a question. He And she's like, me? He wants to talk to me? Yeah. She gets excited again, thinking that he 
knows who she is, which he doesn't. Mm. And she says, yeah, he's got this idea that since you've lived here all your life, you might know who this girl is who's been stalking him and harassing him. And then um, Gwen says, yeah, she worked at the Burger Hut and at the cannery and got fired from both. Do you know anybody like that? (laughs) (laughs) And Teresa's like, um, no. Do you know anybody like that? No. And then... (laughs) It's definitely not me. But then Teresa tries to convince Ivy that if Ethan could talk to his assailant, basically, maybe she could explain. And Ivy's, like, having none of it. So basically, Teresa's like, well... Because Ivy says, Ethan is very different from the rest of the Cranes. There's no reason for anybody to want to hurt him other than the Crane name, Mm -hmm. right? Because he gives more than he takes, and he's a great person and puts other people's needs above his own always. And Teresa says, well, that's why I'm so confused why anybody would try to hurt him. Maybe this was all an accident, a misunderstanding. I'm sure if this girl could talk to him and explain, she would be able to say and why this all happened, that it was just a big misunderstanding. And Ivy's like, oh, no, Teresa, you are wrong. And I'm sure your heart's in the right place, but you are completely wrong about this. If that girl ever shows her face around here, we are going to have her put away. Right. Yeah, like... Period. End of end of discussion, right? <clears throat> and then she and Gwen leave. Teresa puts a phone call into her mother. Which I thought this phone call... Like, again, I'm thinking Teresa has finally come to her senses. Right. I was like, yeah, she's calling her mom to... Mama, come get me out of here. Yeah, right? you gotta save me. I really... For th- I for sure thought this was an SOS. Like, get me out of uh, here. Yeah. But what does she say to Pilar? <sighs> I don't really know because I didn't take notes on it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I didn't either. She calls her mother. Well, she calls her mom. She tells her that she was in Ivy Crane's bed. I'm calling you from Ivy Crane's bedroom, mama. Please don't be mad, mama. And she says, is Winnie there? Can I talk to her, please? Mm -hmm. Which Pilar is upset with Teresa. And it's like, I specifically told you no. Why would you go behind my back and do this? Blah, blah, blah. And... Then Teresa says, well, is Whitney there? Can I talk to her, please? And she puts her on the phone with Whitney. But my thing is, if I'm Pilar, I'm like, no, bring your ass home now. You get your ass back in this house? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that I don't understand. So then she gets on the phone with Whitney and tells her, I'm in Ivy's bedroom and Mm. she gave me the job and... Mm. I know if I can just talk to Ethan and just explain everything that he it will be fine and blah, blah, blah. She has lost all of her senses. I mm. thought for a moment she had come to her senses, but she any trace of sanity I thought she had has vanished. Yeah, that girl's a mess. Yeah. And when Pilar finds out what happens, because Whitney tells her all of the run-ins that, she, that her daughter Teresa has had with Ethan, she yeah. She's like, adios mio. She panics. She's like, you know... Ivy's going to have my daughter arrested when she finds out. There's no way. She, you know, she's not going to just let this stand. Oh, Whitney tells Pilar that Teresa truly believes that if she can just talk to Ethan, she'll explain everything and he'll forgive her. Yep. So she she is dead set on this ridiculous plan. And she leans her head into his bedroom and starts on with, like, her apology. I'm so sorry that I did this and you don't understand it was all an accident and blah, 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 blah. Softly, too. And says, oh my God, this girl is out of her mind. Thank God he didn't hear her. She was leaned into the, like, next to a cracked door and saying very softly, 
Ethan, it's me, the girl you think is stalking you. Right. I'm the, not really stalking you. It's because I love you. Yeah. Like, the actions that you're taking right now are those of a stalker. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So then she opens the door to kind of reveal herself, right? Right. Because she doesn't hear any answer back. And he's not in the bedroom. And she's like, oh, he's not here. He he didn't even hear anything I said. He didn't even hear my apology. But she also thinks it's the perfect time for her to just enter this man's bedroom and look around. So yep. she kind of touches his bed. She goes to his desk. She picks up a picture. She knocks something over because she's the clumsiest person in the history of being a human. And Ethan, in the, his bathroom, his ensuite bathroom, hears. And he goes, oh, I'll be right on out, Gwen. Right. He thinks Gwen is in his bedroom. You know, logical. <sighs> logical. It's a logical conclusion because who else would be in his bedroom? Yeah. Oh, this girl. So then she kind of goes, <gasps> and we freeze frame there, and mm-hmm. we yeah. shall see. We shall see. We shall see, hopefully, in the next episode. But probably I mean, not. Is this how they're actually going to meet and she's going to introduce herself and apologize in his bedroom? That's no. insanity. That no. can't be what happens. This is not This is not how this is going to no. work out. No. No way. No. But it's I've just... been wrong before. I've been wrong before. I've made predictions and thought, I'm... oh, I'm sure how this, this is how this is going to work out. And I've been completely, completely off. I'm constantly so, wrong. So we shall see. I am constantly wrong with this show. So the... maybe they'll surprise us. So the next thing we need to talk about is... The phone call that Ethan received from Sheridan? Yeah, let's talk about Sheridan. So the phone call that Ethan answers on his private line is his aunt... Sheridan calling him from the airport in Paris. She's getting ready to fly home to Harmony and she gives him a call while she's waiting in the lounge. Of course, she's in like the fancy rich person lounge and is telling him about what happened with Jean-Luc and how Ethan doesn't need to feel sorry for her because she made a promise to herself to never be anyone's victim again. Yep. Cut to... Roger, her victimizers. Her victimizers. Roger and the goon. Oh, goodness. So and they, they're walking around the same eight square feet of this <laughs> airport right. looking for her, walking directly past her millions of times. <laughs> right? And they walk in. And remember, Sheridan doesn't know about the explosion. She has no idea what happened with Jean-Luc. She has no idea what happened with Mimi. She has no idea that he has ties to this drug kingpin. She has no clue. She has questions because she's like, oh, you know, he never introduced me to anybody. I should have known something was Yeah, she, she starts to recount all of the insane red flags that she should have seen. You know? <laughs> red flag. Red flag. So yeah, so Roger and, uh, not Jean-Luc, Roger and his little henchmen are standing there to, at the counter talking to someone trying to locate Sheridan and a pile of newspapers gets delivered with Jean-Luc's face on it. It was like man was murdered. Uh, yeah, it's like looking, drug smuggler. Drug smuggler. P- police are looking for anybody who has any details about this crime. Witnesses to the crime. Yeah. And he says, it's more important than ever that we kill this woman. <laughs> you didn't like that? I loved it. Okay. Oh, I every, it was a good Roger. Every time we do these accents, I love it so much. It was a really great Roger. Oh, it's so good. Mm. Sheridan, like, h- hangs up the phone with Ethan, and she's like, oh, I have to go catch my flight. And the guy at the t- k- ticket counter is like, oh, well, the flight's departing soon, right? And Roger is like, the only thing Sheridan will depart from today is your life. <laughs> your life. <laughs> you know, I got very bored at the end. <laughs> very bored at the end. But I like that line. Yeah, the only thing too. Sheridan will depart from today is her life. Yes. So Roger and his goon are going to go hunt that girl down. Yeah, maybe a, a kidnapping on the yeah. scene. That's what I started to think too because she talked to Ethan, told him she was coming home tonight so he will be expecting her. Right. If she doesn't show up, he knows there's 
something afoot. Something amiss. Oh, and Ethan also tells Sheridan that he's got his own stalker situation going yeah. on. So they kind of just update each other on what's been happening. Yeah, I wonder. Do you? Th- I think she might. I don't know. I, I think th- hope she makes a narrow escape. I think. I think. For me, I hope she makes a narrow escape simply because I don't want anything to do with the rest with this storyline anymore. I don't care about these French people. Yeah, it just seems like a strange device to introduce these two to get rid of Jean-Luc and then not do anything else with them, you know? <sighs> I know, but I just, I'm so over it. I am over it. Mm. I mean, we did the big part. Yeah, the murder was a pretty big part of it, that's for sure. It's huge. All right. All right, so that happens. So let's talk about, you want to do Tabitha or the Lobster Shack? I'm ready for Tabitha. All right, let's do Tabitha. Tabitha is not done trying to get her her hands, literally, on Charity. At and the beginning of this episode, yeah. she's still pulling Charity through the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's got Charity in the bowl, and she's got her grip on her, and she's saying, I got her now. We're going to get her. We're going to mm-hmm. get her. And then... Grace knocks at the door. Knock, knock. It's Grace Bennett, your kind next-door neighbor delivering a casserole. Tabitha, Tabitha, are you there? Tabitha, Tabitha, Tabitha. And then where Timmy. are you? I'm worried about you, Tabitha. Tabitha, where are you? <laughs> and then Timothy sneezed. Timothy. <laughs> it <laughs> might be. Oh, Timmy could be short for Timothy. <laughs> I just never get it right. I always say something. You do struggle Timothy. with Timmy. <laughs> so Timmy sneezes. And so then Tabitha's like, well, now she knows we're here, and if we don't answer the door, then she's going to call the rescue squad or something, so we're going to have to go answer the door. Tabitha loses her grip on Charity. Charity pulls herself free through, like, the sink on the other side of the world. I don't Falls know, crazy. to the floor and, like, passes yeah, out. Yeah, hits her head, passes out. And then, oh, this is what Tabitha says. Her true colors are really shining, because she's like, if I don't answer the door, then that bitch will call the rescue squad or something. <laughs> Yeah, that was good to have with us. Damn. Calls her a bitch and everything. Yeah. And so then Grace, she answers the door and Grace is like, oh, I'm so glad you answered. I was worried. I was about to call the rescue squad. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the rescue squad? Uh, The rescue squad. The ambulance? The hospital? The rescue squad. The rescue squad. They have a special squad for rescuing. It is. It's harmony. They have everything (laughs) that you could ever want. I liked that. But yeah, so Grace had stopped by... This is silly to me. Grace stopped by with a tuna casserole that she made to thank Tabitha for baking cookies. Which she didn't bake. Which she didn't bake. Which Grace knows she didn't bake. Because Sam pointed it out. So I don't... I don't... I don't know. I guess she's just nice and neighborly. She stopped by because she tells Sam, I'm worried about Tabitha. I hate to see her all alone, an elderly woman by herself at at that house. So I think she stops by because she thinks it's the right thing to do to just check in on Tabitha, make sure she's not dead, you know? Yeah, I think she's just nice. Yeah, and bring her some food. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. she's just trying to do something nice, but little does she know that Tabitha is not interested in that at all. Right. And wants her dead and her sister dead and her niece dead. And her niece that she doesn't know she has, yeah. Yeah. And so in this conversation that ensues, Grace tells Tabitha, oh, well, Sam and I are going to go down to the lobster shack, so I can't really stay long. And then leaves. And then Tabitha's like, 
feed this casserole to Fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, she doesn't want to fuck around with it. And she tries her little unholy water bowl thing again. She tries mm. the, the whole spell and all this nonsense. She tries to get Charity again, but it does not work. Yeah, and she says... Eye of Newt, unholy water, show me the daughter. <laughs> it's not even a good like meter. It doesn't quite fit. She says, "Show me charity," but she can't. She can't see her. She's trying her best, but she can't see her. And then her spirit board starts to shake. Her spirit board, which is just a Ouija, a Ouija board. board, starts to shake, and uh, she says it's her contact from the netherworld, from the to- spirit world. My contract from the contact from the spirit world. Oh, I put netherworld because I'm pretty sure at one point she says something about the spirit world, but I'm, I'm almost certain at that point she said netherworld. Oh, all right. Yeah, at the, about that specific thing she said the something about world. the netherworld. So there's a spirit world, a netherworld. The, there's an angel that we haven't seen since like episode two. Like I know for a fact Tabitha has like friends down there that oh, she talks shit. about. Yeah. Damn. So, all right. Yeah, so anyway, oof. And yeah, this is bad. I was so wrong. And so then after kid. the board is shaking, she goes over to the board. She's going, "Oh, mighty spirits of of the dark, where are faith and charity right now?" She doesn't even try to rhyme that nope. one. She's <laughs> just like she's so frustrated and angry and probably exhausted after that little fight. Yeah. She's like, I can't be bothered making this, like, cinematic in any way. Nope. <laughs> We're just getting to the point. <laughs> no, nope. it is in no way poetic. Mm. Does she see... No, does she see her? She doesn't see Charity. Uh, the last thing that we see with Tabitha is with the Ouija board. Okay. Bumping and jumping. Okay. That's the last thing we see there. But Charity... Uh, this is crazy. So Charity has gone through this battle. She's been half drowned. She finally frees herself and, like, passes all the way out on the bathroom floor. Her mother comes in and finds her. And somehow, even though Faith is terrified about evil and people finding her daughter and t- and killing them both, somehow Charity convinces this woman that everything is all right, that she was just sleepwalking, and she turns it around on Faith and is like, it's because you were telling me scary things and it invaded my dreams, and then it made me sleepwalk, and now this terrible thing happened. But there's nothing for you to worry. It's your fault. There's no evil. Yeah, because Faith says to her, evil has found us. And yeah. she's like, no, evil hasn't found us. It's nothing, Mom. Yeah. And then Faith goes away, and Charity's in the bathroom, like, cleaner. Also, she's soaking wet. Right. And Faith goes away. Charity's, like, cleaning herself up, and she kind of pulls up her hair, and she sees she has hand marks around her neck. Yeah. And, like, she's like, oh, my gosh, how did those get there? <laughs> and she laughs it off. Yeah, she, she she makes the decision to ignore the fact that she has handprints and fingerprints embedded in her skin that are causing redness and bruising. And probably, she's, surely she's uncomfortable, and her neck is swelling. You know what I mean? Also, like, she can go to the lobster shack and maybe see a boy. Yeah. Well, priorities when you're 15 I, or however old, I don't I guess. know. And you remember she hit that claw, that two-inch claw oh, that was embedded that in their, the back door of their house. What the, I wonder what happened to it. I, I think it'll come up She's again. Like carrying around, carrying around her pocket? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will. So let's move to the lobster shack because yeah. so Kay Char- and Charity are headed to the lobster. Sh- not Kay and Charity. <laughs> everyone's he- everyone's headed to the everyone's lobster headed shack. to the lobster shack at this point. But Faith and Charity on their way somehow get lost, even though the lobster shack is apparently within walking distance, and it's like 
I imagine they're on the same little street. Yeah, that's what the guy at the bus depot yeah. told her. It's like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a short walk to the lobster shack. She says, do you know where we are? Charity does to Faith. And she's like, no, I don't know this I'm, town. I'm lost as hell. And then a scary dog comes out and starts barking at them. And that's all we see. That's all we see of them. So I guess we'll find out in the next episode whether they make it to the lobster shack or not. Yeah. But because... you know who did make it to the lobster yeah. shack? Yeah. Kay. Kay made it to the lobster shack. Her family saw her off for her big date. They made her change her dress. And she had on, like, a Mennonite dress. Yeah. It it looked like a floral printed Mennonite dress. It was a little too extravagant for, yeah, it for was, real Mennonite, it but was, it was not stylish. It was made of curtains from mm-hmm. the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was ugly. It was a very ugly dress. And I, as she came down the stairs in it, I was like, if I was her... I would have put that other dress on under that dress. Obviously. Which she did. Which she did. Although, I have to say, when her family saw her off, A, I like Sam. Sam is great. He was like, oh, so who are you going on this date with? And she's like, oh, it's actually Miguel. And Sam was like, and why is this young man not picking you up? (laughs) He got all offended. He's like, he's not, he should be here. He should meet us and meet us at the door. He doesn't know. All this other stuff. Yeah, he doesn't know that the whole thing's a mess. And then they took a family photo. And instead of saying cheese, they said Cheshire Cat. Cheshire Cat. And they took a family photo. I don't know. I thought that was sweet. And I, I, I like Sam. I like Sam, too. I like Sam. So she the, she heads off with Simone, changes out of that dress. Yeah, because her cute dress was on underneath. Which is one time where I agreed with Kay. Take yeah. that ugly dress yeah. off. And that dress she had was really nice. She yeah, looked pretty. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with that dress. No. It wasn't too tight. It wasn't no. too short. It was fine. I think her family mostly took issue because of the, 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 the bra. bra. You know. It was the bra. So she leaves. They head to the burger, not the burger shack. The burger shack is gone. The burger hut. Oh crap! The burger the shack burger, never existed. The, the lobster shack is going to spin off into burgers oh, and make yeah. burger shack. Yeah, right? they've got they've got a. Uh, There's an opening a, in a town hole in for that industry there for burgers. That's right. We need a, a place for burgers. Oh, and on his way to the burger shack, Miguel the, the lobster burger shack, shack now. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Shit. <laughs> On his way to the lobster shack. He picks up flowers because he's sweet. And he has a dumb fantasy about charity. These teenagers and these little fantasy moments that they wander off into are bonkers. They're all the way bonker balls. Ugh. Ugh. The, it made, the whole thing made me itch. The music. <laughs> it did. The music, the acting, the the. the lines that they had to say she walks she walks into the lobster shack and he says are you my date and he she goes yes and he says i was really hoping it would be you he grabs her hands and then they kiss yeah it was weird oh and then Kay has a little one too where she's going into the lobster shack and she has a little fantasy moment also where she walks in and has the basically an identical moment uh, with Miguel, she's like, he's like, oh, I was hoping it would be you. And she's like, really? He's like, oh, well, we've been friends for so long. You know, I, I was afraid to profess my feelings. And then they kiss, and he's got, like, this death grip on her wrist. <laughs> it's, like, it's awful. These poor actors. Mm. Oh, God. But they get to the lobster shack, and let's talk about the uniform of the poor man who was working Yay! there. <laughs> so when they finally get to the lobster you know, I've heard tale of the lobster shack at this point. Everybody keeps talking about the lobster shack, the lobster shack, right? So they finally get to the lobster shack and there's a man standing outside and you remember the sailors on Prince Eric's ship in in, <laughs> in, the, little mermaid. in the Little Mermaid. He was dressed exactly like them. <laughs> 
He was just exactly like them. He had, I'll and he tell had, you a tale of the song <laughs> of the deep. I don't remember the words. <laughs> yeah, and that's the like the one song there yeah. that I don't remember. But yeah, he had like a, a red chiffon ascot like tied yeah. around his neck, and he had on like a pirate. Blouse. It almost, yeah, it was like a pirate bl- blouse, and they had like a starfish barnacle. Yeah, a starfish. Where like a name tag would go, but I don't think there was no, a name was tag. I think it was just a starfish. starfish. A full size starfish. Yeah. It was crazy. Did he have a hat too? <laughs> I think he had a little I think hat. he had a little black hat. It was like a combination of like a pirate costume and also like Popeye the sailor. Yeah, it was like a pirate, but also Parisian. It was like a Parisian pirate. It was like. You know, uh, is it Foco de Chao, the Brazilian place that they'll come around and the waiters will be dressed in, like, those high boots and, like, the billowy shirts and, like, carry swords and sliced meat? Oh, okay. It was like if you had that, but on the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but in harmony. But, yeah. in, but also in harmony. <laughs> so, yeah, so he was dressed like... Uh, like sailor? All, like all like of those things. Like a cartoon sailor. Like all of the things that we just We said. shall be posting a picture on the Instagram. For Enjoy. sure. Um, so, they get to the lobster shack. I almost called it a lobster hut, but it's the lobster shack. And Reese is at the lobster shack already yeah. as well. So, Miguel and Reese get to the lobster shack first. And they have this interaction. Oh, hey, Reese. Hey, Miguel. Why are you here? Oh, just got a, going on a date. Oh, me too. Cool, man. Who are you going out with? I don't know. Oh. Well, I'm super into Kay. I forget who's playing which character. I think you're Reese <laughs> and I'm Miguel. Oh, good. So I did it right. I think we did it right. Okay, but basically, great. the interaction was very short, and it was very dry. Lame. lame. It was so dry. Lame. Was it lame? It was dry. It was like eating a sponge. It was dry. <laughs> Just like licking a dry sponge. Yeah. These two. These poor boys. They just don't have anything to say to each other. But Miguel But does, they're good, good friends. They're, don't forget they're good, good friends. After all, Reese is the man when it comes to bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel finds out because Reese tells him. He's like, you know, I'm actually super into Kay. And I'm excited because we're, you know, supposed to meet each other. And Miguel's this like, is our oh, first date. That's so cool. And then... Kay walks in the door, Reese sees her, and is like, oh my god, I didn't even make sure that the table was okay. So he rushes off to double check and make sure that their table is all ready to go. And Kay spots these two kids from school, Mindy and Trevor, and she tells us, oh, well, those are the biggest gossips in the school. So she makes sure that she stops by their table because she's excited that they'll be talking about her and Miguel. Miguel. They're going to tell the whole Whole school. school. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, Jessica, this girl. <laughs> She's lurking. She, all she does is lurk. She's all lurking. All she does is sit and She's lurk. She's a mini Tabitha. All she does is lurk. She lurks behind books at the coffee shop. She lurks behind pay phones at the lobster, lobster shack. shack. She lurks behind the door frame in her own, of her own bedroom. All she does is... is she Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop. And lurk. This, ugh, these two girls. <laughs> these two sisters. Whatever. So she's hiding behind the fucking payphones. Because of course she is. And Simone catches her. Remember yeah. Kay's friend Simone? She's like, what are you doing here? She's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Jessica tells Simone. She's like, oh, well, I've tricked Kay into going on a date with Reese. Right. The whole, basically, she explains, she does she that explains, thing, she, 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 she does, she does thing a thing where at the end of the movie, the villain tells the good guy their, all of their evil schemes and right. their plan, right. right before the good guy goes and foils their evil plan. Yeah. She does that to Simone. Yeah. She tells Simone I, what, what the, what her whole scheme was, right? And so then, 
she's like, so I'm just here to watch the show. So then the two of them stand outside of the lobster shack, glaring in through the window. And But the thing is, if I was Simone and someone just told me, oh, I just set your best friend up, I'm going to get my best friend. Right. I would go in and be like, hey, Kay, your sister, just come here for a little bit. Let me just like whisper in your ear. Yeah. So I don't know how you're going to get out of this, but I want to let you know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. I didn't know you were coming here tonight. Let me, like, will you come to the bathroom with me real quick? Yeah. Right now? Because your sister's on some bullshit? Yeah. You know, like, you gotta, you gotta be there for your friend. But she just stands there. And watches. So we don't know what's gonna happen yet. <sighs> Hopefully we find out in this next episode. We should. Because Kay does go up to Miguel and she's like, and he's like complimenting her. He's like, oh, wow, you look really nice. And she goes, oh, well, you know, before we go any further, I have to tell you something. And then we, you know, that's it. So... It's got to happen. I mean, episode 21 has to be whatever goes down at the Lobster Shack. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be. So, that's it on this episode, yes? That's it on this episode. So, enjoy our ad, and we'll see you on the other side. See you on the other side. And we're back. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are. And we're about to discuss episode 21 of Passions. Oof. This one was a little difficult to follow. It was really frantic. Like, it was it, like even more than usual, it was flipping back and forth from one scene, one set of characters to another. Mm. Like, delivering one sentence and then going to the next group. It was not the easiest to follow. Yeah. How does this episode start? Do They're you in Paris. That? Yeah. Okay. Roger and the goon see a woman, uh, well, they see Sheridan from behind, and they approach her, pull a gun on her. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. When you could still take guns into airports. What the hell? That was insane. Like, how do they have a gun Because, honestly, in that, before 9-11, I mean, after 9-11, they wouldn't even be able to be in that area of the airport yeah. without a ticket. Yeah. He re- I remember being really little, and, like, my mom was, like, flying somewhere, probably for, like, a conference or something, mm-hmm. and... I remember my dad being able to take us all the way to, like, the terminal with her. Yeah, Yeah, like, to the gate. And, like, her plane, like, we we watched her plane fly off and, like, waved at the airplane as it left. And, frankly, it's interesting that it took, like, a major terrorist attack before anybody questioned that. Yeah. Truly. Because to me, and I guess maybe because I've done the bulk, I've done, no, I've done all of my flying post 9-11. All of it. Same. So I've never known anything but the TSA, right? right? I've never known anything but, like, this is the the metal detectors and the take your shoes off and ba- yeah. take everything out of your bag and everything. So to me, it's like, yeah, you, we should be this cautious when we're letting people into airports where they can then board airplanes. Right. Yeah, that was really... This whole episode was a little weird, because Sheridan at one point makes a phone call. We'll talk about that later, but, like, she's on the plane making a phone call. And I guess it is, like, a transatlantic, transatlantic yeah. flight. Yeah, so, people can you still know, make you phone can calls make phone call. I'm just used to making short little flights, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I'm in the air for an hour and a half, and I can use my phone for never. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like... It was, I don't know. It is, it is really strange being in this pre-9-11 airport scenario, though, because that's... Mm-hmm. They put a gun to a woman's back in the in airport. the airport. And she turns around, and of course, it isn't Sheridan. And so they make up some lame excuse about, oh, well, we're, we're undercover airport security. Yeah, and we're looking for a fugitive, but don't say anything, or it might tip them off. So be very quiet. Girl, no, say something. If a person see- comes up to you, puts a gun into your back, and says, don't say anything, come come with me, and then they 
roll it back because you're clearly not the person they're looking for. You say that. You say something. See something, say something. Also, what the fuck are you going to do? Shoot me in the middle of a crowded Exactly. You're going to have to gate. shoot. You're going to have to shoot me on. right here. I'm not going any goddamn way with you. Mm-mm. You're going to shoot me right here in the middle of the airport. That's one thing I've learned from listening to all the murder podcasts and murder shows and cult things that I follow, but it's just like you never let someone take you to a secondary location. Hell no. You fight like tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. You're going to shoot yeah. me right here. You're if you want to kill me, you might as well kill me right, right here Right here I in stand. front of all of these people and those security guards down there can get you for me. You could take me right here. They anyway. can rush me to a hospital. Everyone saw it. There are witnesses. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. What a mess. Yeah. So, yeah, so they, the real Sheridan is on, is on her airplane. She's speaking to a kind stranger and then a kind stewardess. Yeah, she talks to a lady on the plane and she's she's digging through a purse and she's sniffling. This kind of made me laugh a little bit because she's digging through a purse and she's going. And the woman, it, it to me at first it looked like she was like perturbed, like she kept looking at her like, Ugh, does she have coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> she kept looking at her and then Sheridan she goes, damn it. And the lady, like, hands her a pack of tissues, and she pulls a tissue, and... Oh, I'm sorry. The lady's like, man problems. Yeah, she's like an all-knowing oracle. She's like, here's a tissue. I bet it's about a man. Yeah. (laughs) And basically, she just tells Sheridan, she's like, I used to be just like you, but look at my ring. Now I've been married for 20 years, and you should just keep your heart open to love. Just stay open to love. Blah, 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 whatever. You know, just stuff that Sheridan probably needs to hear at this moment. Then, Sheridan... Go is, is like looking through a magazine, like in the back of the plane. She's yeah. walked to another part of the plane. Is looking in a magazine, and there's a picture of the Crane Mansion in the magazine. And it's like, money can't buy happiness? The palatial estate of the Crane billionaire family. Yeah. <laughs> and the flight attendant comes over and sees it and says, oh, if I had a home like that, I would never leave. Which triggers a memory for Sheridan. Yeah, this was crazy. A memory of her as a little girl, and her nanny's like pulling on her, like you have to leave. You, we're, you're, you're leaving. It's time to go. And they're sending her off to boarding school, basically. And she says, "Well, what about what did my dad say?" He says, "Your dad's the one sending you away." Yeah. And she's like, "Daddy, Daddy, I won't do it again. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to do it, Daddy." She's like, "Please so, don't send me." Away. It was actually heartbreaking. This little girl. Please don't send me away, Daddy. Please. So we don't know what Sheridan did. Yeah. But, so she's headed back to back to Harmony to face whatever those demons are. Face the are. music, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, at the airport, I'm just gonna do this because I don't know if we're gonna keep dealing with this character of Roger, but he and his henchmen um, are upset, and Roger's like, you know, we have to find and kill Sheridan. She's the only person who knows what I look like, and I cannot stand the risk of her tying me to to my smuggling and to the death and murder of Jean-Luc and Mimi. And so he's like, I know that, she, that this woman is a wealthy American. So he tells his henchmen to get a list of everybody flying out of the airport, and he's going to, I guess, cross-reference this and find, like, the wealthiest American families and see if any of those people were flying out of that airport today. I mean... Well, he says it to his henchmen. What? Get a list of everyone flying out of this airport. And his henchman goes, how? Reasonable question. Right. And he's like, I don't know. You must find a way. I don't care. I don't care. Um... You what? will find a way. What, Roger? Excuse yeah. <laughs> me? How? A- every person flying out of Paris International Airport today. Every single yeah, person. All of them. Ugh. Get me a list. Get me a list. Get me that list. Anyway. Roger, I don't know. I mean, 
So is, it, is Sheridan actually going to stay on the plane? Is she really going to fly to Harmony? I think is she she's going to get off the plane? Is Roger going to come after her? Like, what is going to happen? Well, see, that's what I was wondering. I was like, has this has this plane taken off yet? But I think it is. I think it's. I think it's in the air. It's mid flight. It's unclear. She, it is unclear. But I I did think after she had that flashback, I was like, oof, maybe. She, this is going to make her get off the plane. Right, that's and, what I was worried about, too. But I think she, I think they might, she's already on the way. Okay. So I think Roger and Goon Man are going to show up in Harmony. Oh. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. They're going to come to Harmony? Yeah. Wow, they're dedicated. Yeah. Man, well, I mean, Sheridan's going to be there in like 25 minutes. She's on the Concord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I I don't know. Honestly, Laura, this is so annoying. This storyline is so stupid to me. I don't know why they're still stretching this out. Give Sheridan something new. Actually, you know what? Let's be done with Sheridan for a little while. I'm okay with that. Right? Like, she did a whole little thing. Now she's headed back to Harmony. Let's start diving into her backstory like they're trying to do. But leave Paris in Paris. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. I am really ready to find out about... And Sheridan is, too, to kind of delve into things and figure out what's going on and, like, work on some of these demons and, like, get herself together. And that's more interesting for us as viewers as well. I agree. Yeah. I agree. How hard it lay. I sure do. I believe in this. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I'm so tired. I know. <laughs> we tried to do too many of these in one day today. Okay. <laughs> We're both losing it. You should have heard us try to record the intro. It took us like 20 minutes to say hello and introduce our names. Oh, and I still don't know how that's going to come out. I'm not like, sure. Once I edit it all, I, I it's going to be a mess. That episode's going to be a mess. This episode. <laughs> this very episode. Yes. All of the episodes are a mess. Oh, Lord. But they're fun. They are. Light, I hope. Fun and flirty. I wouldn't know. I feel like I... 30, have... flirty, and thriving. Well. <laughs> 30, I'm... flirty, and surviving. I'm old... Older, I'm not old, but I'm old. I'm 32. I'm older than 30. I'm in my 30s. Yeah. You're basically I, 30. I'm definitely not flirty. The only person I interact with is you, and I don't think we flirt. Oof, God, no. <laughs> and, uh, I'm surviving. Definitely surviving. Surviving. I, keep, I don't have COVID yet. I keep forgetting that I'm 30. I keep... I'm, God damn it, I'm not 30. You're, not, you're 31. I keep forgetting I'm 31 and yeah. thinking I'm 30. You keep insisting that you're 30. I reminded you the other day. That you were not 29 anymore. And you would go mad at me. I forgot. How dare you? How dare you age me three? No, fuck you. You're 31. I forgot. Remember it well. Oh, God. I keep, I, I'm genuinely forgetting it. Genuinely forgetting my own age. Anyway, I'm which just, is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. We remember, like, how... I don't know, like, grandparents and even my parents sometimes be like, I don't remember how old I am. Like, they just kind of forget sometimes. I'm headed that direction, and so are you. We're just I'm like, already there. You're there. Like, how old? And that's normal, like, the like week or two after your birthday, you're like, oh, I'm 20. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm 30. Yeah, only I'm not it's almost my birthday anymore. again. I'm 30, right? <laughs> or, yeah, or when it's almost, yeah, but nah. It's almost my birthday again, nope. so. No, it's not. It's close-ish. It is in November, What's today? It's May, May 5th, 18th? June, July, August, September, October. Six months, half a month. I mean, half a year. Half a month. Half a year. Are you all right? <laughs> you okay? No, God. <laughs> I'm losing it like Teresa. Oh, Teresa. Actually, are we she ready to talk mess. about Teresa? Let's do it, because this one was all the way a mess. 
Well, she Teresa. is so far gone. She's so far gone. I don't know that we can bring her back. I don't know. She's so far gone. The only person who can save Teresa is herself. Yes. She has gotten her... She is in quite the pickle of her own making. Oof. So, remember, this girl has wandered into Ethan Crane's room to profess her undying love and apologize and try to convince him that she's not a stalker and all this other stuff. And this girl delivers quite the speech. Quite the monologue through yet another door. Yeah, right? he, yeah he's, he's in the bathroom. in the bathroom. The shower is very obviously going. We yeah. can hear it. And then she delivers this monologue to him as if he can hear it. She thinks he can. It doesn't end. He doesn't respond because he can't hear it, and she doesn't stop talking. She doesn't stop talking. Did you write any she of it? On, it was no. so much. It I was wrote, so much. This is what I wrote. I said, Teresa's delivering quite the speech to Ethan. It doesn't end. And I then said- I wrote, she is sitting on his bed. <laughs> and then I wrote, then Gwen comes in, but Teresa must be hiding. That's what I wrote about this said, entire exchange. Said, Teresa delivers an endless monologue in Ethan's room. <laughs> she has she has really lost it. That's what I wrote. We didn't. She said so much that we didn't even write it she down. She said the same shit she's been saying. Yes. And it's just, it's just overwhelming. Cause it, oh. I do remember at one point she says... She says, and I would never do any of those things on purpose, Ethan, because I love you. I can't believe I just said that. But I do. I love you. Ooh. Yes. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> She's so <laughs> out of it. She's out of her mind. And I know I've said that a lot, but I can't think of a better way to, like another phrase. She, she has lost her complete mind. She, all of her senses. She, <laughs> I I'm trying I there I I lack the vocabulary to describe what has happened to Teresa. She is bonkers. She is delusional. I definitely she can't is say it with any deranged. She is. I can't say any anything about it with any sensitivity that I that right. I probably should use. But right. it's I it's just so crazy. Yeah, this girl. She's out of her mind. She's out of her mind. I can't. Clinical help. Somebody send us a good phrase to describe Teresa. Like, what do you think of Teresa? Give us a good. What should we call her? Is she out of her mind? Crazy? Psychotic? Like, I want to be respectful. And and I I want to use the right. She's a lovable lunatic. Yeah. But I I just. And the thing is, I like Teresa. I like her as a character. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I do. I just can't get behind this. No, I mean, and it's weird because I guess it's not. I was going to say she's kind of doing what Kay is doing, like the other kids are doing, but she's not. Because she's not creating schemes and doing, she's, you know what? She's trying to face it head on. That's exactly what I was And nobody else is telling her she everybody's like, no, don't do that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Teresa is facing it head on. She's very upfront and very open with how she feels. Yeah. Is it misguided at best? Yes. But are all of these issues accidental, like these these altercations? Also, Complete yes. Complete accident. You know, I mean, I, I feel complicated about Teresa. I, I don't feel complicated. Like, I'm not conflicted. I absolutely like her. I think that she is a good person. I think she's good at heart so far. Mm-hmm. And I think she has gone about all of this the complete wrong way. Mm-hmm. 
And, but I also think she needs professional help. For sure. She really needs some actual help. It's, you know what, it's, she's obsessed with a tangible person. You know, like, when you were, like, 14 years old, and you're like, oh my god, one day I'm gonna marry Harry Potter. You know, like, or whoever. Ron Weasley. Ron, Ron excuse <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, fine, Ron Weasley. Whoever your little teen crush was, right? You saw them in movies, you saw them maybe in magazines. Like, right. and that was they, kind they, of, not... they were so far away, they were so distanced from you, that you could love them and, and have a crush on them as much as your little heart could, but there was a part of you that knew it would never happen. Right. She feels that way about a man who grew up in her, well, is from her town and has had multiple run-ins with him and, now. So and I think where her mom works. Where her mother her works. works. Right. Like, this is so, it's, it's a tangible reality yeah. to this girl. And in her monologue, she talks about how Pilar would come home and talk about how sad Ethan was and how he would eat dinner alone and she felt so bad for how lonely he was and she said I know what it's like to be lonely too like she thinks she knows him right based on what she's heard from Pilar right which is credible information and based on like what she's seen in magazines right you know and she's created this person in her mind who she thinks she's been having a relationship with him for you know 15 years Mm -hmm. he's never heard of her right so, yeah. Oh, I Teresa. Don't know. This girl. I don't know. I, I think I feel bad for Teresa the way that they want me to feel bad for Sheridan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for and she lost her older brother. And her, her oldest dad. brother and her father just disappeared. Yeah. No wonder they... Yeah. 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 I have I have pretty deep sympathy for, for Teresa. Yeah, I do. At I do this too. point. And she's, she needs help. I... That's so that became very apparent in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been obvious, but it's again, it's been escalating right from oh, one day I'll meet him. Oh, I have these dreams that he'll come to the doorstep. Oh, he came to the doorstep. Oh, I Can Ethan, you I almost saw him. If Legolas Greenleaf showed up at our fucking doorstep and then I missed years, him all these years later and you missed him and I missed him, yeah, I would be on the search. Orlando Bloom for just Orlando shows Bloom. up here. Only dressed as Legolas. Well, but in his Legolas... Like, can you imagine? That's kind of what is happening for her. Yeah. It's like if I started seeing Trevor Noah every fucking where I went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it it's is. It's like if I started seeing Trevor Noah everywhere I went, and every time I saw him, I got nervous and dropped something Yeah, it's like you, you walk into the elevator in our building, and why the fuck is Trevor Noah there? I don't know, but there he is. Here you are. Here you are. Why? And, and then I throw up. And then you throw up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Noah. <laughs> so poor... Poor Teresa, this girl, whatever. She does this whole thing. And then Gwen comes into the room. And Ethan comes out of his ensuite bathroom. But we don't see Teresa. Yeah, so Ivy knocks on the door. While Teresa's still in there giving her, like, speech, she stops. Ivy knocks on the door and says, Ethan, Ethan, um, you know, just meet us downstairs. Meet me downstairs later, blah, blah, blah. And nobody answers. She's calling for Ethan, but he doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. She says to Gwen, just tell him to meet me down in the living room. Mm-hmm. So then Gwen goes into the bedroom. So that's how Teresa knew they were there. Because right. otherwise, Teresa would have just been standing out, spread she wide. Been, she would have been sitting on his bed. Yes. Because that's what the last time we saw her, she was sitting on his bed. In this Can you? Um, I just can't. And so then oh. she hides and we're like, where did Teresa go? <laughs> 
She's under the bed. Of course, of course she's, under, she's the under the bed. Where else would she go? Of course she's under the bed. Of course she's under the bed. And then I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, because Gwen and, Gwen and Ethan do nothing but have sex with each other. So I was like, oh Lord, are these two people about to have sex on the oh, bed on top of her? no. Isn't there a movie like that? Yes. What did, we, what did I watch? Um, he's just not that into you. Bradley Cooper's character. Oh, yeah. Is like hooking up with Scarlett Johansson's character. And then his wife, what's her name? Jennifer. Her Jennifer Connelly. Connelly. Comes character. in. And so then Scarlett Johansson has to go hide in the closet. And then Jennifer Connelly like yeah. hooks up with Bradley Cooper. There's, a, there's something else I've watched where there's somebody under the bed when it Ooh. happens. I wish I could remember what that was, but I've seen that before. Anyway. That did not happen in thank this, goodness. thank God. I wasn't ready for that trope. I didn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, so I feel good. Yeah. But Teresa does overhear a conversation about Ethan, with Ethan and Gwen. Ethan is going off because he's answered a phone call from Sheridan. Sheridan's told him about Jean-Luc. Ethan's told Sheridan about his stalker. And so he's talking with Gwen now and is telling her, her all this information. And he kind of works himself up. He's like, I'm really worried I don't about my own safety. I'm really worried about the safety of my family and my loved ones. I don't understand why people have it out for us. What's going to happen to my sisters? This person who's stalking me surely has ill will and is mm. going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Teresa over here is the entire thing. Yeah, he says... My parents always told me that people without money would use us and abuse us and and only cared about us for our money. But I never believed them. Maybe I was too naive. But now I believe that they that poor people only care about us for their for our money, basically. And Gwen says, "You don't believe that. You really think that poor people only care about money?" And she was like, "But what they they have love, and as long as they have love, blah blah blah." And Teresa hears that that's the part that really hurt Teresa's feelings. Yeah. She, because she's a lunatic. Yeah. She was so hurt by that. She comes out from from under the bed and it's like, you really thought that, not to him, once they leave. Yeah, they've left the room and then Teresa emerges and she's like in tears. You really thought that this was all about your money and I only cared about your money? Girl, that man does not know you. He doesn't know what your motives are. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what is this. What this is about. You, yeah. He really. I thought he was different. What are you talking about? She's out of her mind. So she. She. I think her illusion is kind of split, right in yeah. that moment. And so she's like, I got to get out of here. So she. Yeah. So she hides <laughs> out. She starts. She starts creeping down the stairs because she's gonna try and like escape, and then. Ethan, like, answers the phone call again. What happens? Yeah, she's coming down the stairs. He and Gwen are in the living room, headed kind of towards the stairs. That's right. And then the phone rings, and he goes to get it. And And instead of continuing to go down the stairs, Teresa takes her ass back back up up the the stairs. stairs. I was like, Teresa, this is your moment. Run! Run. Get out. Run. The call is coming from inside the house. Yes. (laughs) you got to get get out. out. Oh, no. But as she's kind of trying to sneak out, Gwen catches her and says, Teresa, what are you doing? Right. So she was almost saved with a bell, but not quite. But not quite. Not we, quite. We don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And while this is all happening, Pilar and Whitney are talking about the situation back at the Lopez Fitzgerald house. Because Pilar calls Ivy to check in on Teresa. She's really worried about what's going on. She has known for years that her daughter has this intense crush more than a crush has intense feelings of love towards ethan and she has obviously kept that to herself Mm -hmm. but at this point she's like this is a recipe for disaster and i need to 
see if I can insert myself appropriately and kind of suss out the situation and then fix it, right? Right. So um, she tells Whitney to get out and uh, go keep Luis distracted because Ooh, she's really they... terrified that Luis is going to find out what's been going on with Teresa. Yeah, they brought Luis back in beautiful fashion. We were, he was, like, standing outside the window, outside the kitchen window. We could yeah. see him out there, like, hammering yeah. something yeah, in, his, in his little dirty... Uh, Tank top. Actually, it was He's completely. Just, it was completely clean. It was like a very looked, clean wife beater. He <laughs> made me feel dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I Louise. love Luis. Oh, they just brought him back for that. I feel. Oh, like. for sure. They're uh, like, we haven't seen enough of a handsome man. We haven't had Luis in this in here for a while. Yeah. So they brought that runner-up in the hunk contest back. Hungry. Oh, please. He should have won. First runner-up. Kidding me. He should have been first prize. Oh, it's funny, though, because Ivy and Pilar are talking on the phone, and Ivy says all these nice things about Teresa, which are true, that she's mm-hmm. sweet, and she is earnest, and she has a good work ethic, but she is also like, this girl's so level-headed. Yeah. That's the last wor- way that I would describe Teresa, as even, level-headed. Even based on the interactions that she has had with Ivy. Yeah. That does, none of that was very level-headed to no. me. She was, But you know what? She was very eager and excited, and maybe that's yeah. why she, I don't know. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know. And then Ivy finally tells Pilar about the stalker situation with Ethan. So Pilar is finally getting, like, the real picture about what it looks like on her end with her daughter Mm -hmm. and her friend kind of explaining things and then what the cranes are looking at. And so Pilar, rightfully so, is very, very worried about what's going to happen if and when Teresa gets caught. Um, Well, because she's when she calls... She talks to Ivy, and Ivy says, oh, I love Teresa. She's great, blah, blah, blah. And Pilar kind of breathes a sigh of relief. She's like, oh, she's fine? Everything's okay? And she's like, yeah, why wouldn't it be? She's like, no, no reason. Just just checking in. And then, then Ivy says, well, Ethan is going to meet her. And Pilar's like, oh, shit, she hasn't met Ethan yet? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then we're back to worried. We're back to worried. And, of course, Luis, like, sniffs out that something funny is going on. So as soon as Pilar leaves, he confronts Whitney, and Whitney again spills Spills the beans. beans. (laughs) Whitney is just constantly... Informing Teresa's family members about what her, what she is really up to. You know why? Because she's a good friend. She is a good I'm friend. I'm sorry. I'm like, not saying that she's doing the wrong thing. It's just funny to me that, like, poor Whitney is, in, is caught in the middle yeah. of everything. She's told Miguel. She's told Luis. She's told Pilar. She's told... You, she's told yeah. uh, Teresa herself yeah. that she's got to get her shit together. You know, like, yeah. she, she is trying, and... Poor, poor Whitney's I, stuck Whitney, in the I haven't seen Whitney practice her tennis in a while. She needs to get back on the courts. I mean, it's been like a day. I guess. Don't don't big tennis pros like practice multiple times a day, though? Don't you have a lot of training and shit to do? She wants to go to the Olympics. She needs to get out of Teresa's bullshit <laughs> and go get back on the court. That's true. You are right. Poor Whitney. This ugh, She's just wrapped up in this mess. Mm-hmm. This whole mess. That pretty much sums up yeah. the the Teresa stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> for now. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the lobster shack. Going on to the lobster yeah, shack. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so everyone's conv- converging at the lobster shack. So Charity and Faith. Remember at the end of the last episode, there was that scary dog that came out and started growling at them and barking at them. Mm-hmm. I wonder because Faith very or excuse me Charity very quickly 
kind of calmed that dog down. She's like, oh, it's okay. And then went over and started petting it. And then the owner came up and everything. But I wonder if that's part of, like, her powers of goodness. Calming the animal. Maybe. That's not how I read it, though. I feel like the guy came up before the dog stopped barking. I mean, yeah, I thought he came up and was like, stop, and put the leash on it. No, she, like, it was, she, like, was like, oh, it's okay. It's just, it's just a nice dog. And then she went over, and then the owner ran up. You know what was crazy was that the dog, as much as Faith is constantly like, I have to protect you, I have to protect you, I have to protect you, the dog comes up barking, ready to attack, and Faith jumps behind Charity. Her daughter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She puts Charity into harm's way. <laughs> she pushes her out in front of her. Oh. So, no Charity. Yeah. So, I, I thought that was interesting. I wondered if it was like a little moment of foreshadowing or not. It doesn't matter. So, everyone's on their way to the lobster shack. Everybody's basically at the lobster shack at oh, this yeah. point. Everybody yeah. gets there. Everybody's eating at the lobster shack. I'm trying to come up with a good jingle for the Lobster Shack. It should be like Love Shack on the Lobster Shack. Lobster Shack, shack baby, baby, Lobster Shack. I'm a lobster. <laughs> Bring your jukebox money. Lobster Shack is a little, little old place where uh, we uh, can eat some seafood. Lobster Shack, baby. Lobster Shack, baby! Lobster Shack, baby! Lobster Shack! This is great. This is great content. All right. All right, all right, all right. So pleased. So they're all back to the lobster. Everybody's at the Lobster Shack. Yeah. We've got Grayson, Sam, and Jessica, and Simone all eating dinner together. We've got Kay and Miguel and Reese all sitting together. We've got... Charity and Faith Charity arrive. and Faith. They're eating together. We and Mitzi and what? Who are those two Tom oh, Tom gossips? What are their names? Trevor the and Mid- Mitzi. Trevor or and I'm pretty sure it was Trevor and it's not Missy. Missy or no Mindy. Mindy. I was close. You were very close. Mindy I was close. and Trevor. Mindy and Trevor. So <laughs> everybody's at the Lobster Shack, and Tabitha is at her home trying to figure out where. Does that happen in this episode of the last It time? does, yeah. They consult the Ouija board because they need to find the location of Charity and Faith. And it spells out LOB. L-O-B. She says, it only spelled out L-O-B. What does that mean? I need more. <laughs> yeah, but then she figures out that they're at the Lobster Shack. So she goes to stop Grace and Faith right. from seeing each other at the Lobster Shack. Yeah, they tell us again. Tabitha's like, if Grace and Faith meet, then Timmy and I will die. But they don't explain why. I need to. I need the rules. I need to. What I are need the an rules? Expl- yeah, what are the rules? I need an explanation. I need to know specifically what will occur that leads to their death and why it will happen if these two forces meet. You know, I just don't understand it. Yeah. They just keep telling us the same thing, but not actually giving us any further information. Yeah, so I I don't know why they will die. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll <laughs> die. I don't know why they'll die. Maybe because they swallow flies. Una mosca. What does that mean? It means a fly. In what? Italian. <laughs> Girl. Good for you. <laughs> Duolingo. <laughs> Good for you. I need to get on my Duolingo. <laughs> so let's talk about what's going on at the Lobster Shack. Right. Okay. So at the end of the last episode, remember Kay had approached Miguel and told him 
before they go any further, she needs to say something. But before she says whatever it is that she wants to say to him, Reese comes up to those two. And Miguel's like, oh, aren't you lucky, Reese, to be going out with my good friend, Kay. She's my good buddy pal. Yeah, and doesn't she look so great? Tell her how great she looks, Reese. Right. And then Kay can see that Jessica's in the window laughing at her. And she's like, oh, shit, my sister pulled a stunt. So Reese then comes clean, kind of, and is like, oh, well, Jessica said that you would like to go on a date with me. And Miguel's like, well, of course Kay would like to have dinner with you. You're a great guy. So Kay kind of feels like she's stuck in this situation where she doesn't want to turn Reese down because she doesn't want to look bad in front of Miguel. And Miguel is kind of making assumptions for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing, I mean... And I can't for the life of me figure out why this girl didn't just say... My sister tricked you into thinking I want to go on a date with you. Yeah. And this, and I'm very sorry I that she so did this. Sorry. She is a horrible person. Right. Turn it around on her. Yeah. She's a horrible it's person. It's the truth. And this is not, this, I, like, I, you're a great person, but I'm not interested in you that way. She, I mean, she didn't have to say that. She was like, yeah. this was a, this was all a big misunderstanding. And yeah. I'm very sorry, but Jessica's over there if you want to talk to her. Yeah. Because look at her. Look, she's right there peering in, laughing at you. With my best friend, Simone, who didn't come in to help right. me. Right. What the fuck, Simone? What the fuck, Simone? I don't, yeah. I just don't understand. It's, it's but she, terrible. But she does not say all of those rational things that I just of said. Of course not. Well, she's also concerned, because remember, Mindy and Trevor are there. She's worried about the yeah. gossip. So she she doesn't want to cause a scene. She doesn't want to be seen eating dinner on a date alone with, Reese. with Reese. She doesn't want to be seen alone. Because remember, she stopped by and told them, I'm going on a date with Miguel. <laughs> so she's, Well, she said, I'm going on a date with someone. Just wait and see. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> just wait and see. I'm on a date with these two boys. Yeah, so she insists that they all sit down together. So Reese and Miguel and Kay are on a weird date, kind of, that no one really wants to be on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, well, we shouldn't leave Miguel alone. Yeah. And Miguel's like, I'm not going to be alone. My mystery date's coming, remember? And she's like, oh, well, she should have been here by now. And then Miguel's like, yeah, let me take a lap and see if I can find her. And then Kay's like, no, 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 I'll do it. But Kay has never seen Charity. But he doesn't know that. Oh, he doesn't know that? Of course he doesn't know that. How else would she have gotten her to come to the dinner? Oh, you're right. Miguel thinks that they know each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot. He thinks she found her. Oh, shit. Yeah. You just blew my mind. Because I was trying, I was, in my head, I was like, how does Kay think that she's going to find this mysterious girl? Yep. She doesn't care. She doesn't know her, but Miguel thinks she does. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Well, that explained a lot. Yep. So Kay d- goes to, quote, look for her, you know, mm. around the restaurant. I feel bad for Reese. He's just become like this pawn in this weird game between a whole bunch of people. And he's done nothing wrong. He's just a nice guy who likes to look at bugs and read books. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Reese is out with a girl that he likes. He's getting us something that he wants, even though it's not maybe the way he would have wanted it. And it's yeah. not turning out. the. But it's more than he ever was going to get. Yeah. And I do appreciate that he was like, well, Jessica said that this was a good idea. She, she You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he was up front and he was like, this is the, well, as up front as he could be constantly being interrupted by Miguel. Yeah. He, he says, <sighs> I, he says to Kay, actually says, I knew you would never want to go out with me. And, and that's when Miguel kind of interrupts. Like, what? Of course she would. Of mm. course. You're a great guy, Reese. Yeah. It's like, ugh, just, ugh. 
Ugh. I do have to say, again, I like Sam. Because Grace and Sam show up, and they see Jessica and Simone, like, peeping in, and they're like, what are you two troublemakers up to? Mm-hmm. And they're like, looks like you're having dinner with us now. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam walks in, and they're like, make sure he gets a table for four, because he's going to keep those girls, you know. And he keeps Jessica in right sight. in line. She keeps trying to get up, and yeah. he's like, where are you going? Yeah, he's like, you can sit down. <laughs> You don't Where need, are you going? You don't need to go to the bathroom again. He's like, oh, I want to look at the lobsters and the lobster. What? Uh, sit down. He's like, I can see the tank. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to look at those lobsters. You're just trying to mess with your sister. Sit down. <laughs> it was great. Oh, it was so funny. And then Grace kind of looks at Sam. So the girls eventually do get up, and she's like, it's okay. They're teenage girls. They can go to the bathroom. And so Grace then like kind of turns and looks at Sam, and she's like, oh, my gosh. I just got the happy feels again. I feel like something wonderful and dramatic is going to happen. It's going to change my life. And then, of course, Charity and Faith are sitting at a table, you know, eight feet away with their backs to each other. And they're, they're like, like on the other. They are on. I will say they are on the other side of the restaurant. Yeah, like, like Grace, around the corner. Grace and Sam are like on like a back porch. Yeah. And um, Faith and Charity are like on the front porch. Yeah. So yeah. it's understandable in this case that it's a near miss that makes sense it's still annoying yeah but it makes sense but at the same time that that uh grace is having her moment faith also has a moment and she's like oh my gosh i feel happier than i have in years yeah oh also when they go into the restaurant um charity gives their last name to the yeah what was it for the reservation sam sandish standish standish or sandish or something like that yeah so, that sounds right. So that so that's I guess their last name. Yeah. So now we know Grace Standish because apparently it turns out her name really is Grace. She oh. really was w- running around with a singed, burnt up, crispy piece of paper with, with the her word name Grace on written with her on, name it. on it. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Maybe it was a piece of homework. I don't know. Caught in a house fire. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. But so yeah. these two twins have their little moment. Yeah, they're both feeling each other in that moment very strongly, and they're very happy, and blah, blah, blah. And then Tabitha shows up, and they get to the lobster. They they ran to the lobster hut. Yeah. Which, you have a tricycle, just ride your trike. Yeah. Why didn't they do that? A tricycle built for two. She runs, they run to the lobster hut. And they get out front, Lost and she looks... Sorry. Dang. <laughs> sorry. I mean, as we sang a whole song about it. <laughs> they run to the... I can't keep these structures I get it. Straight. I get it. I keep messing it up. She runs to the lobster shack and sees through the window, Oh, no. They're both here. <laughs> They're both here. And then she passes out. Right. At least I thought. So she falls flat on her back. Yeah. Thud. Down on the ground, right? I don't know how she didn't split her head open, then, to be honest. Then Timmy's like, oh no, Tabitha's dead. Timmy's next. Because, you know, she's she keeps telling him, if they see each other, if they're with each other, we're going to die. If right. I, I die and then you die. So he thinks she's dead. Well, Tabitha does like a zombie she start, She just starts to moan. She Okay, so she goes from laying down on the concrete, you know, light as a feather, stiff, stiff as a board, and then rises. And I don't mean stands up, uh, and she doesn't levitate yet. She maintains that stiff as a board it's, posture and just all of a sudden is elevated. Well, not all of a sudden, but slowly is elevated to the place of standing. Yeah. But her body has not as, bent in any yeah, way. Yeah, as if she was on, like, a plank that was pushing her up. Yeah. Right? 
And so, and then she comes full standing position right. while she's saying some sort of enchantment. Yeah, she, she was like, spirits, dark spirits, blah, 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 yeah. come to me now, blah, blah. And it then, was like low moaning. There were some words that were recognizable. And then it was also just like, blah, 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 just like blah, low, blah, scary blah. sounds. And then she starts to levitate yes. off the ground. Yes. And then she starts to spin around. Spinning like a top in midair. It was scary. Scary. This shit is good. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So so much mystery. I don't know. Like, is Tabitha going to like destroy the lobster shack? What's happening? What Ooh, is she? I didn't is think she gonna, about that. Is she gonna call down like destruction on the lobster shack? Oh, I didn't think about that at all. I don't know. I assume this is happening because of the close proximity of Faith and Grace, because. Although, I don't know, because when they were in that fortune teller tent at the carnival, she started um, floating around and everything in the tent went, like, bonkers and was flying around. But that was because of charity. So maybe it's because she's close to charity? I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, we don't know the rules yet, so I don't really understand what's happening, and therefore I feel like I can't make a I don't think an there, informed guess. I don't think there are any rules. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I really don't. Is there anything else to say? I mean, that's it. Same thing as always. We love you. Thank you for listening and following. Please recommend to your friends. Please subscribe. Please rate us. If you are if you are listening on Apple, it especially helps us if you give us a five-star rating. Give so, us a five-star rating. So we would appreciate that. Yeah. Anything else? Just uh, follow us on yeah. social media, Passions Passion Podcast. Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. So with that, you are my passion for life.